0: All right, so we started a series about two weeks ago now called Zero to Hero. Kind of came out of our uh, Blitz camp that we did with kids, and we said, "Hey, let's just take that theme through the whole rest of the summer and just talk about it." And we're going to talk about the life of Peter, actually the life and the writings of the Apostle Peter. So that's where we're heading in the next few minutes, but. And I don't know how this all landed up on the same weekend, but uh, we're talking about being heroes. And I want to give you another way to be a hero before we look into Scripture together tonight. So watch this, and we'll talk about it for a second. So, over the last two years, uh, Team World Vision, World Vision, which is one of our largest mission partners here at Lakeside Church, uh, they began asking us if we would run a half marathon together to raise funds for water. Now, who in Folsom doesn't know the importance of water? One. Doesn't know, yeah. You guys go help him afterwards, yeah, okay? No, we all, we all get it, right? And yet, we're all still taking showers every single day. We all, some, not all of us, but some of us still let the water run while we're brushing our teeth, you know, because we're like, I don't quite get it. Our friends in Ethiopia, we have a lot of friends, a lot of children that we sponsor in Ethiopia. Those children, many of them have to walk as much as three miles each direction to get water. And when they bring the water home, it's usually not clean water, so they bring water home that's sickening their family and themselves. And usually the ones who take that water run are the young girls in the family, which means they don't get to go to school, which means the whole economy gets depressed. And many of those girls end up being trafficked because they're taken while they take that three-mile walk. You don't even let your children out of your yard without watching them. And here's moms who have to send their daughter across you know, several miles to get water and bring it back. Here's the deal. We can change that. We can change it. We can make a difference in that. We can't change the whole water problem around the world, but we can change some of it. So over the last couple of years, we've had over 100 lakesiders run with Team World Vision to raise funds to be able to provide good, clean, um, convenient drinking water for children and their families in Ethiopia. And I want to invite you in. Last year, I ran my first half marathon. Yeah, that's my before picture. The, the after picture is unshowable, I tell you. But, um, but I did it. I did that. In fact, it went so well for me last year in terms of people that like, jumped on my bandwagon and said, hey, I'll help support this and fund it and stuff. World Vision called me two weeks ago and they said, hey, what we'd really like you to do this year is we'd like you to run the New York City Marathon. I said, that. <laughs> I'm like, what? And then I said, yes. Yes, yeah, see? <laughs> so here's the deal here's the deal. I want you to see how this goes. I'm running November 1st. I'm running the New York City Marathon to help with that whole water project and protection of children, particularly young girls, those kinds of things. I'm going to ask you to join my team by running in the half marathon here in Folsom. I think it's on October 18th. And some of you go, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Neither could I. But you can, and some of you have done it before, and some of you are going to do it this year, and I want, I want you to be involved in it. The video you saw, um, I, there was another clip that I thought we were going to show, but it has this man right here. Uh, Johnny, why don't you stand up, please? This is Johnny Huddle. He's with Team World Vision, and uh, Johnny's going to help us run this thing, and he's going to have a little uh, Q&A session, a little meeting over here right up front at the end, and if you go, you know, I, I, I can't do that, or you know, uh, maybe I could do that. Or you go, I don't want to do that at all, then come to the meeting. Okay, let Johnny talk to you, and you will sign up, and it'll be a fantastic time. And I'm going to be with you in that journey getting ready. So you're going to run a half marathon, I'm going to run a marathon. We're going to get something done for the kingdom of Christ. Would that be cool? Yep. Be awesome. All four of you. All right. All right, let me pray for, the, for us and then we're gonna look into scripture. Lord, thanks for your book. Thanks for your heart. Thanks that you want to transform us and others and you use us in heroic ways by doing sometimes mundane things to be able to change the world. So Lord, work through us and in, in our time together tonight, work in us and teach us to be who you want us to be. We pray in the name of Christ, amen. All right, you guys, let's, uh, let's jump into Scripture here a little bit. Um, there are people in this world who were born to privilege. You may have met some of them. There was a little girl born. We just did baby dedications. There was a little girl born a few months ago. Uh, they named her Charlotte. Uh, but her real name is a lot longer than that because she's a princess, and princesses have really long names, lots of names piled on top of each other. But kind of her short name is Princess Charlotte, and she got a big brother named Prince George. And they were born into privilege, and when they get old enough, they will be able to go anywhere they want on the planet, Because they're a prince and a princess. And that's just how it works when you're born into privilege. Some people are born into privilege. Some people come into privilege not because of what they've done, but because of something that someone else has done. So like President Obama's daughters, they got to go to Europe this summer. And they did a lot of really great stuff helping others while they were in Europe. But I'm telling you, they got to go where President's daughters get to go. Places that you and I on our normal tourist itinerary don't get to go. Do you know why? Because of privilege Now, some people were born into privilege. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you were born again into privilege. It's an amazing thing that God invites us into when he says, hey, you you, you want to be a follower of Jesus? Then I'm going to make you part of my family. I'm going to bring you into this place of privilege. And so if you have your Bible with you, why don't you open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. And let me read a scripture. Then we'll read some more. So keep your finger in this passage. This is the only one we're going to be in today. But... Let me read a passage for you that describes when you are born again as a follower of Christ, some of the things that he says about you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter writes this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I remember we talked a couple of weeks ago, this whole thing gets started by the fact that we are born again as followers of Christ. When you choose to put your faith in Christ, he, he says it's like being born again. And when you're born again, you are born into privilege. But that's not the end of what Peter writes here. He goes on, and we'll read this in a little bit, but what he continues to say is this. Although you were born again into privilege, in this world you are aliens. In this world, as a follower of Jesus, you are an alien. Now, how many of you were born in... Anybody here that was born in a different country outside the United States? Nice and high. Raise them high. That's good. Awesome. Some of you. It's okay. And uh, how about this? How many of you have ever lived outside of the United States? You actually had an address where you lived outside the United States. Some of you? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, several. So then you know what it's like to live as an alien in some way, in some form, for some length of time, you have lived as an alien. My wife and I uh, spent a year in the Philippines. We had our own house. We had our own address. We got mail there. We lived there for a year. And it was really interesting. For the first six months, I didn't really feel like an alien because I looked around and everybody, everybody looked Filipino. And so I just kind of started assuming that I looked Filipino. I mean, you know, who could tell, right? Because you don't see yourself when you're seeing everybody else. So I'm like, well, they're Filipino. I'm Filipino. I just fit right in. And then one day I'm riding on a bus going from my, my village down into the city. And I'm riding this bus and we're passing these stops where these other things called jeepneys, you know, go. They're, they're like a cross between a jeep and a taxi. And so people will stop them and they'll catch a ride. And so there, there's this place where a few, few people are waiting for the jeepney to come by. And there's this white guy with red hair. And I went, whoa! I looked right at this dude and I'm like, wow, that guy sticks out like crazy. (laughs) And then I realized I'm that guy. Everybody looked looked Filipino and I thought I did until I saw that guy. And I, I didn't look Filipino at all. And I realized that I was an alien. See, it's different for aliens. Aliens, aliens see things differently. Aliens believe things differently. Aliens live differently. If you have been an alien in one country when you were from another country, you knew that you didn't see things the way everyone else saw them. You didn't see history the same way. You didn't see culture the same way. You didn't see government and politics the same way. You saw it. You believed it. You lived it differently. And so did I. Because I was an alien. Now, when you put your faith in Jesus, you were born again into privilege. You were a chosen people. You were a holy nation. You were a royal priesthood. You were God's special possession. But in this world, you live as an alien. Listen to what Peter says when he goes on in verse 11 of chapter 2. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners... And exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you live in this world as an alien. You are different from the people of this world. You share a different father from the people of this world. You follow different customs from the people of this world. You answer to different laws than the people of this world. You're an exile. And though you're born of privilege or born again of privilege, you are an exile in this land. This world is not my home. We could have sang that one today with Bluegrass Weekend. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up elsewhere. Somewhere beyond the blue. I I know that's how it goes. This week was a clear example of the fact that we are aliens in this world. When a white man goes to a Bible study and prays in a ring of people who are all of a different race than he and then shoots them. We are aliens. Fortunately for us and for our world, we got a glimpse of home when the people in that church where their loved ones died that day, they forgave that young man it's a glimpse of heaven that is not understandable by this world's culture is because those people around that church are aliens just like us. We are the same, we and them. You know you are aliens when there are people that take the heads off of other people in the name of religion. That happened again this week. We're aliens. We're aliens when our nation and our government take things from the Bible and rearrange them when we take God's description of what marriage looks like and then we adulterate that, which means we alter it. We are aliens. And you might not expect anything different from them because they are in this world. They live in this world and we are living in this world, but we're not from this world. And you could say, yeah, but we have privilege. We have rights. We have power. And Peter says, You you do have some rights, and he says, I want you to lay those down and live as slaves in this world, because you're not of this world. You're of a different world, and your privilege happens in a different world. And we see all these things that happen, just those things this week, and there are a thousand other things, and there's a hundred things you see every day that remind you you're an alien in this world as a follower of Jesus. And you may get confused by it. It may not fit your sense of right and wrong. It may not fit your sense of what's, what's square in the world, what's right in the world. What's the way it should be in the world. But you have to remember that aliens see things differently and believe things differently and live differently. And so there's a question that Peter really raises for us. How do we live as aliens in this world? We know how to live as natives because we, we, we sort of grew up as natives. Even if we grew up in a church, we sort of grew up as natives because we're surrounded by the natives of this culture. But once you cross the line of faith and you put your faith in Jesus Christ and now you become an alien, it's like, I don't know how to live as an alien in this world. And sometimes we get confused about how we should behave and what we should agitate for and what kinds of things we should do. And you're like, I don't know how to live as an alien for Christ's sake in this world. Well, Peter describes it for us. He says in verse 12, I want you to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I want you to live such good Good lives. Now, it's interesting. When Peter wrote this, he wrote this in Greek, as many of you are aware. And in the Greek language, there are two primary words for good. One of the words is agathos. It's the word from which we get our word agatha, the name agatha. And agatha means good. Agathos means good in in a physically good sense. Like Yosemite is good. That's agathos. Or when you're morally good, when you do the right behavior, when you do the right thing, that you're, the things you know you're supposed to do, that's moral goodness, that's agathos. But there's another word that also means good in the Greek language, and it's the one that Peter chose to use, not the word for moral good, not that he doesn't want you to live a good moral life, but that's not what he's describing. He uses the other word, which is the Greek word kalos. It's a word that means pleasant, joyful, noble, and honorable. It's a word that leads toward generosity and kindness and mercy. When the people in that church in Charlotte forgave that man who shot their loved ones, they lived a kalos life. They lived a merciful life. They lived a generous life. They live the head scratching, good life. It's Kalos that inspires forgiveness. It's Kalos that inspires able bodied people to run a half marathon to help the poor. It's Kalos that will bend over backwards to love their enemy. It's Kalos good. He says, I want you to live such a good life that you will love your enemy. Even when they are the natives and you are the aliens. You know what? You know what the pagans around us need to see these days? Or you know what the natives around us need to see these days? They need to see followers of Jesus who live a beautiful life, not a moralistic life, not a finger wagging life, a good life. A life filled with mercy, a life filled with grace, a life filled with goodness. I believe the world doesn't need to see any more angry Christians. I think we've seen enough of that. But what it needs to see a lot is... Christians living a good life, such a good life, that in the end, though they talk bad about us, they will say, but those people loved others, and those people even loved me. That's a big reason why we run a half marathon, to say, I'm doing this for somebody else. This is not about me. It's about somebody else. It's a big reason we bring food in for the food bank, because we say it's not about us. It's about them about how do we live such a life that they see beauty and wonder and generosity through us he says I want you to live that kind of life and we haven't always been good at it because we tend to read 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 that says we're privileged we've been born again into this royal family this this holy nation We're God's special possession. So we haven't always done well at living these good, beautiful lives that God calls us to. And sometimes we don't know where to start. And Peter gets that. So he goes, hey, let me tell you where to start. So I'm just going to help you figure out where to start today. There's more, but let's just start. Let me read a few of these verses. Chapter 2, verse 13 I'll remind you, it says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Verse 18 Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Chapter 3, verse 1, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And verse 7, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Where do you start living a life that is so good that the world around us, the natives around us, will look at us eventually and say, I don't know what it is about you, but I love how you love me. I love how you love others. Your life is beautiful. Where do you start? Peter says, start with this. Start with submitting yourselves to, to others. And I know, how, I know how weird that word is in our culture. I know how hard that is to grasp in our culture. But he says, that's where it starts. Now, here's an interesting thing. When he says this, he says, I want you to submit yourselves. The way he says this, if you're a grammar student, you'll love this. It's not in the active voice. It's not in the passive voice. It's in the middle voice. Does that mean anything to anybody? I paid like thousands of dollars in school to learn this. If it was in the active voice, what it would say is, you, go submit people to you. Go get people, tie them up, and then submit them to God. That's how we're going to do it. That would be active. That's not what he says. In no case is that what he says. Nor is it passive. Hey, let, let other people make you submissive. Make you submit. That's not what he's saying either. It's not something that you do to others. It's not something that other people do to you. It's middle voice. It's something you do for yourself or you do with yourself or you do to yourself. You submit yourself. So he starts off. He says, hey, let's do this toward the government. Let's do it to those authorities, the ones we love to hate. Let's do it. Let's do it to them. Let's try submitting to the authorities, even like the emperor. The emperor was a way higher authority than our president. You know why? Because we vote for the president. The emperor just became the emperor. Usually not because he inherited it, because he, but because he beat up everybody else and took the throne. He's the supreme authority. He says, I want you to submit yourselves to him, to them. You go, yeah, but I don't agree with him. I'm not finding that verse in here. Hey, you, here's, a, here's a great deal. Let's submit to the authorities that we agree with. Won't it be great? No, because you don't agree with any of them on everything. You'd have chaos. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to submit to the authorities, even the supreme authority, even when you don't agree with them. Now, to submit literally means to place something under something else. This stage is submitting to me right now. It's beautiful. You know what it's doing? It's holding me up. That's what you do. When you place yourself under someone else, you're holding them up. When you hold someone else up in their life, you bless them. When you bless someone else in their life, sooner or later, they look at your life, they go, I'm going to call you good. You do all this good stuff. I don't know why you do all this good stuff. Well, it's because I'm submitting to you. In other words, I'm placing myself under you to hold you up. That's what he calls us to do. That's who he calls us to be. Submit to the governing authorities, even the ones you don't agree with. You go, that's just way too hard. Yeah, well, you're hearing this from Peter. You know what Peter did at the end of his life? They crucified him because of his faithfulness to Jesus Christ. At the end, he said, Don't crucify me right side up because I'm not worthy of that. That's how my Savior died. Crucify me upside down. When you've submitted to that level, you can say, I'm done. Submit to the governing authorities. That's the first step in living that kind of good life. Why would you do that? I think Peter says it's because my greatest power is when I lay it down. See, we're so upside down because we think we belong here as natives, but we're actually aliens, and it's all, everything's upside down. So our greatest power is when we lay that power down. My greatest power is when I take my power and I place it under somebody else so that they have power. That's my greatest power. I would call that transformational meekness. What do what do we what do we love here at Lakeside? We love meekness right there right next to the mission. We love meekness. Now, that doesn't mean we're good at it all the time, but we love that. And we say, that's what God calls us to. And I believe that when you lay your power down to lift somebody else up, what Peter's trying to tell us is, that's transformational meekness. Number one, it'll change you. And number two, it'll change others. Submit to the governing authorities. You know why? Because it's God's will for you. It says so in verse 15. You know why else? It will silence the foolish talkers. Do you know if Christians would just quietly go about the business of placing themselves under the authority of our government, we could shut down every radio talk show in the country? We would silence the foolish talkers. It would be amazing. We might silence ourselves in the process, too. He says, you can practice this at work. He says, slaves, I want you to submit to yourselves. Again, you do this for yourself, to yourself. No one does it to you. I want you to submit yourselves to your masters. You go, I don't, I don't have a master and I'm not a slave. Okay, but you have a boss. He goes, I want you to submit yourselves to your boss. I want you to place yourself under your boss. You go, my boss is an idiot. <laughs> well, you said it, not me. I, I don't know. But... Yeah, but what does Peter say? I want you to do this not only to those who are good and considerate. Great to have a good and considerate boss. But I also want you to do it to those who are harsh. Some of you probably have a harsh boss. Some of you probably have a boss you don't like to work for. Where do you start to live a good life, such a good life that the world sees you and they go, wow, that's different. Where do you start? By placing yourself under your authorities at work. Why? Why? Because verse 21 says, it's your calling. Why? Because it's the example that Jesus set for us. Why? Because it's a life of redemption. You can practice this at home. He goes, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves. Now, no one can do it to you, husbands. You don't get to go to your wife after this is over and go, hey, woman, Pastor Brad said, submit to me. She can say, no, he didn't say that because that's not what it says. It says, put yourself under your husband in the same way, in the same way you do to the government, in the same way you do to your boss, same way to your husband. Place yourself under your husband to lift him up. Why? Because that's the fastest track for your husband to encourage his faith. If he's not yet a believer, he sees your good life and maybe that, without words, turns him toward Jesus. If he's already a follower of Jesus, he sees your good life and he goes, I love what God is doing in my wife. This is beautiful. And then you can also practice this at home. Husbands, he says in verse 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate of your wife. And some of you husbands, I know you've got an angle on it. You're like, it doesn't say submit. <laughs> You're all giddy. It's like, it doesn't say submit. No, it says in the same way. And then what he really means is in the same way, consider how you might place yourself under your wife to lift her up. Why? Because it expedites your prayers. Sometimes, man, you feel like you're praying. You're like, I don't know what I'm getting through. And I don't know this prayer stuff. I don't know how this works. Try this. Place yourself under your wife to lift her up. And then pray. And see how God hears you. God has called us into this world as privileged people. Because we are children of the King of kings and Lord of lords. But he says, for this life, you're going to live as aliens in the world. It's a strange way to live. Unless you realize the fact that you're an alien, you're not from here, you're a child of God. Everything changes for a child of God. Father in heaven, thank you for grace that you give to us, amazing grace. Thank you that you have, called us to be yours you've called us out to be with you thank you lord i don't know how many are followers of jesus already in the room and how many are still thinking about jesus and do they want to give their life over to him you are really the ultimate authority you're the one that invites us to surrender to you and so maybe there are some that just need to take that step towards you today lord lead them towards you for all of us would you lead us in a path that says I'm going to give myself for others. I'm going to practice transformational meekness for the glory of Jesus. Lord, thank you. We love you. We honor you together as we live this out. Amen.